we're rolling. We're rolling. I don't know. Any of us are awake. How awake are you? Oh, I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You can carry Same. us. Okay. You gotta great. Be today. Great. Because <laughs> I'm so good at that. What was your thought about Taylor Swift? She's just everywhere. She's everywhere. Is yeah. she not everywhere? Okay. Actually, this is a true question. Is she everywhere? Because yes. to me, it seems like she's everywhere. And you know how sometimes it can just be your bubble. I'm like, is it just because I'm around mm. the same things and topics and people? Or is she actually like everywhere right now? No, I think she's everywhere. Okay. I think her like publicist is making sure of that <laughs> with the yeah. tour, you know? They are good at that. And she just broke up with, what's his name? Maddie from Healy? the 1975. Yeah, which was totally Whoa. a publicity stunt. Mm-hmm. Totally. See, that's how the loop, I, I didn't even know they were together. Shout yeah. out to the podcast. Don't, don't listen to any other podcasts except for ours. But <laughs> if you are going to listen to another podcast, the um, um, the undrafted amateurs and yeah, um, that's right. Uh, the podcast yeah. are your two like go. Those are my two. Those are my new go tos mm. for pop culture. So I can be but, in the know. But don't listen to anything else except for ours. Yeah. Exactly. Bottom line. <laughs> and Taylor Swift though really is everywhere. No, okay. she really so is. I went to yeah, see, like she's literally traveling everywhere. I saw that she's everywhere. We saw the tour and then my TikTok now, like if I were to open it up and scroll five out of every six videos. No, would and, be Taylor Swift. And, and that's what to, I wasn't sure. Like, is it only my algorithm? Because even today, Spotify, I opened Spotify and out of like new recommendations must have been like seven out of 10 were Taylor Swift. But truly, like, I would say, like, let's just say if I have 10 friends I would say seven of them made it to her concert. So it's also like everyone is going and everyone is talking about it. So I guess if like, if hashtags were maybe still a thing, I guess they kind of are. She's like trending right now. Yeah. I think because everyone is talking yeah. about it and is it she just is everywhere. Of the tour or I mean, it, think about even I mean, numbers wise of the tour. It's like yeah. three nights on average yeah. in each stadium. In huge stadiums. Huge stadiums. I'm guessing like an average of like 60 to yeah. 80,000. How many were there at in Atlanta? I'd probably say like mid 60s, low 70s, somewhere in there. I mean, yeah. And then there's three nights of that. Okay, here's my theory because during in COVID. like what, 20 cities? I think something like that, yeah. So, I mean, oh that's. Oh my gosh. That's a lot. Well, I'm and not it good was at like math, the... but that's probably in the millions. <laughs> but it's like lots of people. Well, <laughs> Is it millions? That was a really dumb comment. Okay, during I don't COVID, know. so many musicians weren't creating anything. Right, they right. just went. Go, it was like you're just ghosted by everyone you listen to, except Taylor Swift comes out with like, what, two or three albums? Yeah, so there's yeah. three albums she never toured. Yeah. Right, and then So right. it's like people are kind of, you're getting re-indoctrinated with her. And then the whole Ticketmaster thing right. kind of... I don't know. It's not like she wasn't already being talked about, but you know, that was like kind of a big thing. And then this tour, all of a sudden it's, she's just. So I don't know if this is like still, still the case, but I saw an article in Forbes that said that she was probably going to profit around 650 million on this tour. <laughs> profit. Yeah. Oh Her. my gosh. I know. Well, oh my with gosh. The math, I was definitely doing the numbers the other day of yeah. just how much they make. And merch sales like oh, yeah. nuts. Right. Right. Was the merch good? Uh, actually they have, uh, most of it's online and then there were oh. sweatshirts that you could only get on site, on site. and they're pretty cool. They were cool. Actually. Cause sometimes I feel like low key, like tour merch is not that great. Yeah. Like when I saw Judah and the Lion when they were in Richmond, I felt like their stuff was like, hey. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I feel like a lot of times merch is just, they're trying to be too unique. So it's a little, subpar. it's like a little too like weird. Yeah. But you know who has good merch? Y'all are going to laugh at me. 
Allie and AJ's new album. They have really cute merch. Okay. Is it as good as their early stuff, though? <laughs> <laughs> With the chemicals react. Man, I, I don't know. I've always really liked Taylor Swift, and I feel a little insecure about that because a lot of just, like, dudes think that the – that dudes don't like Taylor Swift. Mm. <laughs> they, they just like, looked at me like I have no idea what you're talking about. at least like 2,000 other dudes like me. At least <laughs> yeah. Out of the 60,000. <laughs> well, so. I had a friend the other day. He's like, yeah, my brother's gone. And this guy is the last guy on earth who would go to Taylor Swift. And I was like, your brother went? He's like, yeah, yeah. He loved it. <laughs> okay. She's even breaking through yeah. that realm. Of, mm-hmm. Most guys, when I bring it up, are kind of like get all squirmy and awkward. No, hands up. <laughs> I love Taylor Swift. Well, yeah. I feel like she's like, she's providing an experience now. Oh, it's, it's not just like a concert. You it know, it's Broadway not just like. Broadway meets crazy. Right. Pyro stuff and screens. Right. And it's like nuts. choreographed. And yeah, you you really feel like you're. I mean, I'm saying this like I've been. I've never seen it. But like for the amount of videos that all my friends have seen. seen She has everyone believing they're like part of her life. Uh, It is crazy. That's that's cool. It is kind of interesting to me. It feels like maybe since the Beatles. I don't know. Have we had someone as. Well, so on the. I feel like on the podcast, I don't know if they did a Taylor Swift explained. I can't remember what they did, but they were saying like the top five most. Oh my gosh, the most um like profitable artists or like the just the biggest artists. Like it's like her, Paul McCartney, oddly Eminem. Mm-hmm. And there were like two more. Now I can't remember if it was like but like but like you would think like Michael Jackson would be in that list or like Prince. No, they weren't in that list. It was like mostly people of our generation. And I think their argument too was that like sales, like the cost of things is so much higher now too. Mm -hmm. So like her ability to make $680 (laughs) million off of a tour, like the Beatles could never have made that in their time. But I just thought it was really, it was a, it was an interesting point, but she's up there. She's up there in the most like, and everywhere. Yeah. And everywhere, everywhere. She's in your garage. You should check it. (laughs) Shout out to Pat. So he um, was working on some ideas around a career change. But like a lot of people, he when he came to us, it was it was more so for the the courage and the push. It was like, I know I want to do something, but I know myself, I'm not going to do it. I'm too I'm too calculated and, and safe with things. I'm just, you know, like everyone, you're just doing what you're doing. And a change is not part of your agenda for the day. So um, he kind of went through a lot of the coaching process and, and he already made his change. He left his job and he has transitioned and he updated me the other day. But the thing I was most excited about is he is one of the people like, this is my favorite kind of coaching. He had an idea of a dream in life, something that was like bigger than bucket list. It was a, I would love to do this thing. And it had to do with kind of traveling for a couple of years with his family. And it's the kind of thing people talk about and then they just like watch a movie about it because they don't actually want to try it themselves. And he is not like an adventurer and a risk taker, but he was like, I'm going to do it. And that was part of all the planning and the talking and the figuring it out. And so he's doing it like they're they're living this dream the next couple of years where he can kind of have clients from different places on the planet and just so travel. Inspiring. 
And it's just so cool. Like, I just love when people actually do a thing. Remember mm-hmm. when we were talking about it was like a trip to Lake Anna in January and somebody was like, oh, what if we just like jumped in the lake right now? Wouldn't that be crazy? And then, you know, I was like, let's do it. Let's actually do it. And everyone's reaction is like, well, but we should just say we should. Do but it. it was just like a joke. <laughs> like, yeah. No, let's actually do it. And we did it. And it's still the memory we talk about every time we get together. Mm-hmm. It was it was just such a like out of the ordinary thing. I love that stuff. I love when people actually do the thing they're dreaming of. So cheers to uh, Pat. Cheers, Pat. Okay, I'm changing our, our personality segment title, not personality myth. I'm changing it to personality gripes. <laughs> because I think that's actually yes, what this that's is actually about. What right? this is. Yeah. Totally. No one cares about myths. So the gripe I have today, well, first of all, do you guys read online reviews or not? It depends. It depends. Like I would say if I'm shopping online and I'm not sure if it's like a company that I haven't bought from before or if it's clothes or something like Uh sometimes I want to look through and like get a vibe for like what people think about it. Yeah. But I'm totally the person that would much rather hear it from you, Steve, or you, Joe, that you really loved a restaurant or you loved visiting the city Mm -hmm. versus like reading it on Yelp or something. Yeah. yeah. I'll read like a three or four star, like one of them. And I feel like I get a picture and decide. (laughs) (laughs) It just, it's like enough for you to know it's not absolutely (laughs) the worst thing. I don't want to listen to the five star. I don't want to listen to the one star. Give me something in the middle and I'll decide for myself. And you get a vibe. Yeah. Yeah, Do you actually like scroll for a three or four star? No, you can just click on the star and it pops up. (laughs) Yeah, filtering. It's this crazy new thing that happened about 15 to 30 years ago. (laughs) But you actually do look for it. Like, yeah. Okay. That's fascinating. I've but, never heard that same, one before. Same thing with Jacqueline. Like, not for every item. It's just if it's something new or I'm trying to figure out. Yeah. yeah. Um, or like a little bit more expensive than mm-hmm. $20. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So with personalities, there is kind of, um, there are two halves. Like, half of the people are review readers and half are not. But I have noticed, like, what's just kind of more the trend now is is word of mouth and like mm. what other people mm-hmm. um, recommend. I think because there's just so much out there now, it's like you can never trust anything. Mm-hmm. But in terms of personalities, there are people who are like, no, I need to see the reviews versus people who treat other people as their Google. So even if you recommended something to me, you're saying I would still go and read the reviews on the item that you recommended to me? Uh, probably, yeah. Interesting. Well, I don't know about your type, but, that or, type, but that, yes. that's the type you're talking yeah. about. Interesting. I mean, what's funny to me, what happens in our marriage is uh, I'll I'll be needing to get information about something. It's less about reviews, more just like information. And maybe like weeks have gone by and I'm like, Ashley, I just cannot find anyone who knows anything about this. And she's like, have you Googled it? And I'm, what? I have not, it's not even crossed my mind to Google it. And, and then I do and like, Two seconds later, I've got the information, but it just never even occurs to me because I'm on the extreme end of that spectrum um, where a lot of people like their first thought is to go online to research it. So are you saying is it like personality types that are more like people oriented versus like. I, I want to say like information oriented, but not in the sense of like what they prefer, but it's more just like who do they turn to? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's actually like 
aspects of the personality types where、mm. some people treat people as their Google and some people、I、treat、see. Google、I、as、see. their Google. It's, it's,、um, it's just like an orientation to where you seek information Interesting. from. Interesting. Well, one wrinkle、yeah. in that, I feel like for me, I go off of convenience. So if I know some, one person I could text, I text them. If it's like any more work than that, I Google it. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I, I mean, where I see it the most is kind of like in the workplace and you know,、mm, where we do yeah, work is、right. data. Like right now, I mean, just listen, just pay attention to how often people say, like, oh, science says. <laughs> It's like this weird. I used to work in science. science. I was like, you can't just say science says. Anyway, like, there's just this really like, heavy importance in our culture right now on data. And so the assumption is like, Data is your best source of information. There's a whole segment of people who look to other people and experts and experience for their quote unquote data. And both, are, both have value and weight, right? But they're different approaches to it. So it's kind of interesting. Okay, what's our topic today? I, I've been noticing, Jacqueline, you've probably seen this too. It's kind of an overwhelming amount of the people we talk to. Recently, are so over busy. Like, I know we're always all busy, but there's something different lately. I don't know why. I don't know what it is. <laughs> Probably has something to do with like post COVID, but people are, are just a new level of over busy and can't get caught up. So, of course, a lot of our coaching is tends to then focus on that. And, um, I don't know, things about like reorienting your life and making space. And I think all those things are really positive and important topics, but they don't actually solve it in the moment. If you are in a work environment that is also like trapping you in that, you can't just stop being busy. You can't just take a break. Like you're in a, a setting that's got you stuck in it. So I'm really big in coaching on like what are the, what are the practical things you can do? Right now, that actually solve for some of this. What I'm finding over and over, I'm coming back to in coaching is two main things having, having intentional calendar blocks and learning how to delegate the thinking of your work. These are both two huge topics, right? Like, we do、totally. whole workshops and coaching for companies on these topics.、Mm-hmm. So, you're gonna have to rein me in because I, <laughs> I could go forever about them. But I just wanted to give, like, maybe the brief. Kind of close notes、yeah. of each because those are the two game changers. Like, if you can just get a little edge on calendar blocks and delegating thinking, you can actually free up your time like、yeah. now, like next week. Well, and I think, like, I think more and more people are really familiar with those two concepts, right? Like, you know, I think. A lot of people, especially in thought based work, are very familiar with the idea of like bucketing their days.、Mm-hmm. Or even if you're an entrepreneur or a freelancer,、um, people know, okay, Tuesday is like my content day, Wednesday is my admin day. But I think for a lot of people and a lot of leaders in larger companies with different structures and things, That's it's just it's very hard to bucket your time、yeah. when like your calendar is kind of at the mercy of your team or it's at the mercy of what the vice president has like given to you as a project for the week. So I'm curious if you can like speak <laughs>、yeah. to some of those more like nuanced、yes. things instead of more generally. Because、exactly, I think、yeah. like we <laughs> could give everybody a hundred resources for how to like add. 
calendar blocks but yeah. i think like what most people are asking is like but like yeah, if but my how? boss gives me a project <laughs> yeah. what am i supposed to yeah. do no yeah. i love that that's that's really the main nuance i do want to talk about here because it's true like you and, and it's actually the crux of the problem is you're always in reactive mode you're always right. at you said it well like at the mercy of other people's requests for your time um and so instead of letting everyone else design your calendar where can you take control of little parts? Because you're right, you can't always can take control of all of it. Even as an entrepreneur and the owner of my company, I still have like certain, I have clients that I answer to and, and things that, but there are always parts of your calendar, no matter who you are, that you can kind of take control of. So, okay, so to answer the nuance thing, the, the, first, the first thing, you know, it always starts with like mindset or belief is to, to take a fresh new start. Hmm. And right there, immediately, boom, limiting beliefs and lies. People are like, but I can't, but I can't. Like, I, this is the way it is. I can't change it. I can't have a fresh new start. Mm -hmm. And that's, of course, where, you know, coaching is so big because it's like, no, that's not true. That's mm -hmm. not true. We just kind of tend to believe that. So it's taking a step back and trying to, like, blank slate, start fresh with your calendar and then work back to reality. Mm -hmm. um, and so the main thing that changes all this is, yeah, getting the right blocks, but getting them out there into the future where they exist on your calendar before everyone else is trying to take your time. So then you have a better chance of making it work. And still, if you do have to give them up, you can kind of reshuffle things. Mm -hmm. That's like the approach. Um, so but, if you're saying if it's like if it's like right now, so as we're recording, it's the start of June. And if someone's calendar is like completely overloaded until like the end of July, uh -huh. you're saying maybe start that first week of August placing some blocks yeah, on the calendar. Got exactly. It. And have it be repeating forever into the future. <laughs> yeah, that's a good yeah. example. Like you go out until August and that's where you start creating them mm -hmm. because um, the other reactive mode thing we do, what happens is people sit down they say, okay, I'm supposed to do blocks. And they look at this week or maybe next week. And they're best. like, how am I, how am I, there, there's, no space. there's nothing. There's, there's no nothing. space. I barely have room. And so you to, give like, up before lunch. you even started. Exactly. Right, right. Uh, and so you go out into the future and then what happens is you block the stuff that you need. That's important for you mm -hmm. to survive and to thrive and mm -hmm. to be healthy and whole and to do your best work. And then all the other little stuff fills in around that. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the blocks you need? I find that these pretty much across the board, um, especially for leaders, if you lead people, these apply, but for anyone, there, there's probably something to glean here. So some kind of daily preparation time mm. every day, a little bit of time, even if it's like on a commute or, you know, while you're getting ready in the morning, but ideally it's when you can kind of get, uh, alone <laughs> and have time to think and prep. Usually it's like prepping for the meetings that day. Yeah. Um, like looking ahead, looking kind ahead. of seeing what, what do I need? What is even coming yeah. today? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So maybe I'll just give example of, someone I was coaching the other day on each of these. So for, for him, it was 30 minutes at eight o'clock every day. Great. That's when he's prepping for the meetings, looking at what is today. Do I need to get ahead of any of that? How do I get my head on straight about priorities today? 
Because otherwise, I'm already lost. I'm already like not working on the priorities. And what he found is going into meetings um, frazzled and then regretting how they went. <laughs> Got it. So yep. 30 minutes. Okay. Then the second block, and of course, I always talk about this, this is the most important one, is a Friday planning block of time. Mm -hmm. And people are like, oh, okay, so I'll give myself 20 minutes. I'm like, no, I'm talking like two hours. Mm -hmm. You want it, you might have to work your way up to that, but you want a big chunk of time where you can plan for the next week mm -hmm. so that you can kind of rest easy on the weekend and be ready to hit the ground on Monday. And if you have any kind of administrative assistant or, you know, people who help with your planning and scheduling at all, then that's the, this is the meeting to involve that person. But what about the people that like really like they are still in meetings on Fridays at six o'clock. Yeah. Like cannot, like it is so outside of their control. How do they find time yeah. to do this kind of planning? Well, that's why the blocking out in the future is big mm, because yeah. it starts to make all that, all, all those other meetings work around your schedule. Yeah. Because what happens, you know, think, just think about it for a sec. When you're requesting meetings from other people, how do you do it? You're kind of like, oh, do you have this time? Uh, what about this time and this time? And so if it's already blocked, then they're saying, no, I don't have that time. I don't have that time available. Of course, I know what you're also talking about is like big or, or matrixed organizations where there's lots of people in a meeting and you you don't have any say in when mm -hmm. the time is. But I guess that's the point is those probably don't occupy your whole day. No. And if they really do, I don't think I've ever met someone where it occupies their whole day every day. But let's say it does for some reason. Then it's like, all right, then Friday's when you get up at 5 a.m. And you and do you it before And you do your that. planning. Yep. And it's just like. Because it's that important. Because it's it that matters important. that much. Yep. Okay. Another um, block that you need is a Monday deep work block. Mm. That's just what we call it here. But the point is like the time and space where you do your most important priorities, mm -hmm. not just like the urgent and tasky stuff. Um, and then these are, these are common for a lot of people is blocks for one-on-one -on -one meetings. If you manage people, when do you meet with those people and blocks for, I'll call them meet and greets or like rando meetings. Yeah. This is a, this one is the one people usually don't, haven't ever thought of and it's basically like i don't know jacqueline let's say throughout mm -hmm. a week there's like six different meetings where you're just meeting a new person uh it's like networking it's like just random stuff someone wants to pick your brain about something instead of putting those all over the place where you kind of are always switching modes have one block of time let's say wednesday afternoon mm -hmm. from three to five is when you take those kind of meetings mm -hmm. And so when someone's like, hey, can we meet up for coffee sometime? You're like, yeah, how about next Wednesday, three to five, between three and five? And even better for leaders who have admins, it gives them a rule of where those things can go and where they can't go. Totally. And so it just starts to organize all that stuff. So I think those are the common blocks mm. that really help people. Mm -hmm. I think a big thing you're saying here, too, is... You are the owner of your calendar, contrary to <laughs> like popular belief. Uh -huh. Like you get to decide um, what this looks like. And sure, like, of course, like we want to be flexible people too. It's not like hard and fast rules. You can absolutely change this around. But I think what I'm hearing is that this is like a guideline 
Or you might say like guardrails for your work. Yeah. It keeps you on the path yeah. for getting done what you need to get done. Yeah. And it prevents against all of that crazy, crazy high levels of overwhelm and feeling yeah. behind because what, where that comes from mm -hmm. is when a person never has space to think or get ahead on the things that they need. And, and you have a few weeks in a row of never having even an hour to yourself for what you need. And then it's a snowball effect. So what happens is if people don't have any of these intentional blocks on their calendar over time, it builds up until it's a lost cause. Mm -hmm. So let me circle back though, about your nuance question. Cause I think that was really good. Um, I know for me, it tends to be, or when I first got into this stuff, I would create blocks, but then I'd just ignore my own rules. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's like, nah, and can't do that yeah, right now. Because I'm more of a feeler. So I'm like, yeah, I'm not feeling that right now. Or, oh, this thing, like there's all this stuff I got to get done that's more urgent. Um, for some people, I don't know, it might be something different, but they ignore the blocks or you don't kind of stick with the rules. Or like your example, you've got people above you always asking for time. So, um, so here's a few things. One is schedule the time with somebody mm. um mm -hmm. if you like don't have any kind of administrative help schedule the time with somebody if you do have administrative help then all calendar requests have to go through them and what's funny is when i coach on this people are like okay cool yeah yeah we do that we do that and then we dig in and a few more questions later i realize no they don't if somebody asks them hey hey jacqueline can we get together then Jacqueline responds to that person. And what I'm saying is, no, no, no. Immediately, you CC your admin into that email and let them take it from there. Yes. Like immediately from the get-go, because if you respond at all, you're going to botch you know, all the rules. <laughs> right. <laughs> Not you. You probably would follow them, but I would. I would. No, but them. I mean, yeah, for an overwhelmed leader that's trying to meet the needs. Like I'm just picturing like a leader of a team with many projects happening and people like need this leader's help. Yeah. They're like, no, I need two hours of your time to go over this project because I don't know how to do it. The leader like wants to help them. But yeah. at the end of the day, it's like, no, that leader also has their own work that yeah. they really need to do. And so how do you, how do you balance those two things? This is like, you're saying a great opportunity for somebody else to step in and say, okay, the leader has time between one and four tomorrow does that work? If yeah. not, you know, then you, it's like, a, it's, it's what you were saying. It's delegating the thinking part to somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. And then of course you're going to want to have a conversation with that person who's, um, your administrative assistant to discuss the nuances. Like when can you break the rules versus not, that's going to be important because sometimes the rules do need to break. Yeah. If you move a block, okay, you have to put it somewhere else in the week. So like you never lose that structure, but it is flexible because of course we're talking about real life, um, but also empowering them to be the boss of those rules. Like you run this thing mm -hmm. and make sure that they know and feel empowered that like that's actually something that they are the boss of. Um, the reality is like they're going to like helping you. They often feel purpose in that, mm -hmm. but they're going to probably be better at it than you. Yeah. Because you're emotionally wrapped up. Like for me, if you ask for my time, I'm going to want like I'm going to want to break my of rules to, to help you. Of course. Yep. Versus if there's a, a third party kind of owning my calendar rules, they're not as yeah. emotionally attached and they can kind of 
but you know, I'm thinking of someone too that we both know who's maybe in a situation where, okay, they do not have an administrative assistant. I was just going to say, yeah, what do you do if you don't have an admin? Because like some people don't. Right. And they're also in one of these big matrixed organizations, Mm -hmm. lots of requests for their time. Right. How the heck does this work? And the reality is it is way, way harder. Like it's way harder to be the boss of your calendar in that scenario. And that's just the reality. But something I think that that person can do is they can also have a block that's maybe outside of their working hours where they do their own like admin rules. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm. (laughs) What I mean by that is Hmm. not adding a bunch of time to their work week, but just let's say um, a bunch of requests pile up for their time that week. They can kind of look through those in a time where they can get in that admin admin mode and go, okay, these are my rules. This is how I do it. What should I say to these people? Yeah. So then let's say that VP pops in. It's like Tuesday morning. They're like, "Uh, we need time now, you know, at 10 a.m. today. Yeah. I need you to join this meeting or something. And you can't, there's no time for all these systems. Right. Well, that's okay. Then, you know, break your rules, go to that meeting, meeting. And at the end of the day, come back to it and say, all right. So I moved, I had to move my deep work block for that urgent VP request. So where am I going to replace that in my week to make sure I don't miss it? Yeah. And maybe that's when you got to get up at five. You got to get up at five. Yeah. Um, And figure out your next steps. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that was a long way of saying the, Mm. for these super overwhelmed, like running around frantic people. Yeah. Like you got to kind of get ahead of it and designing your calendar that way. Mm. When you're too busy to get caught up and you're always feeling behind, you start to get hyper reactive and you actually can't create the space to change how things are operating. So it's like the problem reinforces the problem and it snowballs. And what you need to do is get ahead of your calendar and create blocks of time out in the future before it's cluttered up with everything else where you can do the stuff that you really need in order to be at your best and in order to not always feel behind and overwhelmed. And it's things like planning time, prep time, deep work time, um, plus a way to protect those times against yourself, just skipping them. Mm -hmm. And then once you have that in place, which isn't nearly as big of a task as it sounds, I mean, this can be done. I'll share how, but like this can be done in an hour coaching session (laughs) where we do all Mm -hmm. of this. So it's not like I have to wait five months until I have this huge free day to think about this. Yeah. Now you're going to be able to be on top of things and feel less overwhelmed today versus years out into the future. Okay. So I mentioned that there were these two parts for the overwhelmed person, the calendar piece we just covered, and then the delegating the thinking. There are some details to how to make it work well, because, you know, you can read a book, you can listen to I don't know, someone else's lame podcast about (laughs) delegation. And it tends to be really lofty and it doesn't actually work in real life. You're like, okay, cool. I get get all these big concepts like delegate the ownership, not the task and all these big phrases that people love, but it doesn't, you can't use it in day-to-day life and work. So I want to get into the real nitty gritty of like what, Mm. what are the, there's like two little nuances that make it actually work. This is not a lesson on delegation. We have a different episode on that in the past. But this is, again, the two, the two things, the two most important, most impactful things that help you get out of this like overwhelm burnout cycle. And it's specifically the part of delegation around delegating the thinking. 
this is the important part because when you, the problem is you tend to have everything is on your plate. All the work is on your plate. And then even if you try to delegate, it still somehow finds its way back onto your plate. And so all of the theories around delegation don't work because you're still, you've got everything on your plate and you need to figure out how to get it off. Uh, but of course, we're all human and we're scared to hand things off because we don't want them to ruin it. We're afraid they won't get it right or it'll just take longer for us to explain it all, et cetera, et cetera. So the problem is you're coming in too late in the delegation process. You're actually coming in and giving somebody a task after you've thought about it a whole bunch yourself. That's why delegating the thinking is the key. That's the thing that'll get you out of the overwhelmed and burnout cycle. Hmm. What does an example of that look like? Okay, yeah, let's um, let's take, for example, well, the three of us were recently doing content planning. Mm -hmm. So every month and every quarter, we plan the content that we have coming up. And of course, there's hundreds of different things that go into that. So maybe to simplify it, let's say, Jacqueline, I was trying to delegate to you. What most people typically do is something like, okay, Jacqueline, like, can I'm too busy. Can you, um, can you create a plan? Can you create a content plan? And, you know, hmm. and then even worse is in their head, they're thinking, Oh, that book I read on delegation, I'm supposed to delegate the ownership, not the task. So I'm not even hmm. giving you any, anything more than that. And I'm like, mm -hmm. you know, you can own it. I, I trust you. You can own it. So why don't you like create the content plan and then let me know when it's done. And <laughs> it like feels funny for me to say it this way because it sounds so bad, but that's how most of us do it. In, uh, in contrast to that, the better way to do it is something like this. So Jacqueline, um, we need to do our content planning. Can you take the first step of draft, like draft an agenda for our meeting mm -hmm. where we're going to mm -hmm. talk about the content plans? Yep. And then um, let's actually talk about that agenda draft and we can kind of revise it together and figure out the next steps and then like move forward together i can see how it would prevent the whole like okay someone just like goes into their own siloed world and uh -huh. like works on this entire project <laughs> brings it back to the leader and the leader's like that's not at all what i wanted and then you've lost like three months exactly. of time yeah yeah. And so this is that whole cycle then and why it causes more overwhelm and burnout instead of fixing the problem. So then we just give up on delegation altogether. So then to take it a step further, I would make sure you understand, like make sure we're on the same page so mm. that we don't, so you don't go off and do something and, mm -hmm. and it actually causes more work. So it's like, all right, so um, maybe just say back to me, like, what did you hear in that? What are you, what are you hearing as the the task I'm asking you to do? So it sounds like the task you're asking for is for me to start the content planning process by thinking through what we need to do first. And that, and I'm thinking that might look like me maybe taking an hour this week on my own and just like jotting down some thoughts or kind of brainstorming where we could start. And then you and I can meet next week and talk about that, yeah. talk about what I came up with. Yeah, that sounds great. And I mean, it can be simple, like a Google Google Doc or something. Mm. Don't feel like you need to make it perfect. Build the whole thing out in a yeah. sauna. <laughs> That's what I would do. Uh, okay, so when, when do you want to meet back? Let's plan to meet, I think a week would give me enough time to okay. take care of that. All right. So maybe we plan to meet next Tuesday. 
Sounds good to me. Yeah. So go ahead and throw that on the calendar. And when we okay. meet, we'll kind of go over what you have. And again, we'll figure out where to go from there to take the next steps. So yeah, all of a sudden, instead of mm-hmm. me handing instead you this giant this big thing, thing right. I'm terrified that something's going to go wrong. You're terrified because you're trying to figure out what's going on in my head and what I'm expecting. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing's a mess. I think the other thing that I want to call out here, if like I, I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of somebody who's listening, who's like, I don't even know how to like talk like that with my boss or my leader or even my counterparts. Like, I don't even know how to like say that. Mm-hmm. And I th- feel like it comes with practice. Yeah. Like you have been practicing this kind of delegation with me the whole time I've worked at Greenhouse. So it's I'm very comfortable now mm-hmm. saying, okay, like if this is the baby step, this is what we need to do. So I guess what I'm trying to say is like, give some <laughs> grace, give some space. Yeah. Like it, no, it's perfect. Because, I mean, when I've been yeah. working with people on this lately, that's actually absolutely their hang up. We right. have to practice. They're like, how like do this. I don't know how what how do I offer next yeah. Tuesday? Like I've never done that before, which is to- like that makes so much sense. Well, and it's funny because even as we're practicing the wording and we tend to do reps, it's like, okay, that was good, but here tweak this mm-hmm. part and they practice again. And inevitably at the end of the practice, they're kind of going, Okay, but I don't I don't know. <laughs> like they're still scared that it's going to come off awkward in the real setting. Mm. And they're like, so what do I do about that? And it's the answer is so simple. You just tell the person, hey, I'm practicing this thing called delegation. (laughs) I'm going to trip over my feet a little bit here, but let's try it. You just call it out. And people actually love that. They're not going to judge you and think less of you because they've probably never had a leader who actually tried to get better at delegation anyway. Mm. So yeah, it's... um, But here's, here's the this is like the trick. This is the thing that makes it so helpful for overwhelm, getting over that burnout cycle is in the first example, mm-hmm. I did all the thinking. In fact, right. for me, how it would typically play out is I probably spent about 30 minutes like pacing around thinking about what do we need to do for content planning? Then the next day in the shower, I thought even more about it. And then I was laying in bed that night thinking a little more about it. And then I spent another hour in front of my laptop trying to like jot down, like, what do we do for content planning? And then I came to you and said, hey, Jacqueline, can you help me create the content plan? Can you just plan? do it for me? And yeah. it's like, I already spent whatever that was, mm-hmm. three, four hours of my time. Yeah. More importantly, a whole bunch of my energy that should be spent on different things, trying to pre-think it for you and then hand it off to you. So the like the game changer about this approach delegate the thinking is before i spent any energy or time i caught myself in the act of of trying to think and i was like nope stop go talk to jacqueline all right hey can you think through Mm -hmm. the initial draft Mm -hmm. it also gives us that safety of like you don't worry about getting it perfect because i said many times it's just a draft and then we'll chat about it right so we have the chance to kind of iterate and change it um, you feel safer then and you're able, you're freed up to actually use your creativity more versus worrying like, okay, what's in his head? I got to get mm-hmm. it perfect. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> this is the one chance. So yeah, when it comes to delegating, the thing is, you, if you don't delegate the thinking first, you're robbing that person the opportunity to actually own it and use their creativity. And you're still spending all of your time and energy trying to figure it out before you hand it off. So you got to delegate the thinking first. Now, another nuance to this, because again, we're 
we're kind of talking about stuff that comes up in real life coaching is some people think are higher level thinkers and some are more detailed thinkers. And so both can exist in leadership positions. But what happens is, let's say the high level thinker, they think they're being really detailed. I'm like, gosh, I don't want to micromanage Jacqueline. I just told her so many details about what to do with content planning. So I kind of back off. And you leave the conversation going like, oh my gosh. I, I have no idea like <laughs> exactly. what I'm supposed to be doing. Exactly. Which is our real dynamic, right? Like totally. that can happen a lot <laughs> yeah. for me. Um, but on the flip side, the more detailed thinker might actually be micromanaging too much. And the other mm. person's thinking, stop choking me out. Like I just need just give me a minute. space. Right. And so to be aware of that and and just ask, like, that's why I kind of checked for understanding with you. Are right, you repeat it back? Because when you did that, I was able to see if we were on the same page or not. Mm -hmm. Or you could say, you know, okay, I think I get it. Like, give me a little more detail there. And it's just that kind of delegate the thinking, but then talk about it for a second mm -hmm. and make sure you're kind of on the same page and everyone has what they need. Yeah, I think what I'm hearing there, too, is if you aren't the leader, if you're the person being delegated to, if your leader is not ask or if your leader is not checking with you for understanding you can just go ahead and offer that like i would actually <laughs> think it's probably a really proactive and it makes you look and sound just as engaged as you are if you're say if you were to say to them okay let me let me just shoot back to you what i think i just heard is yeah. this what you had in mind yeah. and then you share and then you know you can also take that initiative yeah too and bonus, this super helps in marriage and relationships. <laughs> right. <laughs> it just we should feels be doing little, this everywhere. I know. It's almost like a good sign. If it feels too cheesy and awkward at first, totally. it's probably it's a probably great a good thing. thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other thing I just, you know, sometimes I get, oftentimes, most of the time, I get the <laughs> objection. Yeah, but you don't get it. Mm. Like, they aren't capable or I'm, it's going to just cut. I get it. I do get it. Uh, the reality is everyone in their personal life owns stuff. You know, mm -hmm. they have whatever their dinner plans or their car or their pets. Like they have things that they own and that they seem to do perfectly fine <laughs> at those tasks. And so I just think it's helpful to trust like, no, you are a human and an adult. And I, I trust that you have the ability to. The problem is more in our communication pattern. Mm. And and that's where it's worth just taking the time. It's obvious stuff, right? Mm -hmm. It's not rocket science stuff, but we just rush past it. So instead of rushing past, take the extra minute to delegate the thinking. And from my side, I would say when I have the opportunity to own a project I feel a lot more confident. I feel like I can ask you better questions. Like it gives me the opportunity to help you as a leader in the ways that I really want to help you. And I think most people in a supportive role or an administrative role feel the exact same way. They want to help the leader as much as they can. And they and I know that when I take on tasks and have more ownership of tasks, it I get to see you freed up to do only the things that you can do, things that run the company day in and day out. And so I think it's almost like a dynamic switch and a change in thinking of how we get the work done. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. That's, it's helpful to hear it kind of from your side. So I guess to just sum up the whole thing, if you're feeling you're spinning out of control, overwhelmed, busyness, you can't get ahead of yourself, then 
the, the things you need are calendar blocks and delegating the thinking. These are things that right now are going to free up space versus waiting until someday something will change, which it won't. And the calendar blocks is really something that creates um, intentionality on your calendar so that you block off the space you need before people take it. And the delegating the thinking actually gets work off of your plate versus kind of maybe your approach to delegation right now is it creates more work for me to hand it off to somebody. Mm -hmm. But delegating the thinking, that particular step actually gets things off of your plate immediately and calendar blocks gives you more time back. 